0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be in the first eight verses of Luke chapter 18, and we're going to be talking about the prayer ministry of the church and of every believer and how Jesus said that we ought always to pray and not to faint. So let's go ahead and let's pray and we'll get right into the word of God. Father, we bless you. We thank you. Lord, just enlighten us concerning our ministry and prayer and help us, Father God, through the power of the Holy Spirit to do that which is pleasing in your sight and affect change in this world, in our lives personally and in the world around us. And we'll thank you for that, Father, in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Praise God. All right. Now, Jesus has been spending some time in Perea and in Galilee. He took a short excursion. Out of Judea. And now he's heading back into the land of Judea. And he's going to be taking his last journey towards Jerusalem. And so we're almost uh, at the point of Passion Week. And we're going to look at some things that Jesus does along the way. Okay. So he's beginning his last journey to Jerusalem. He's passing through areas uh, near the Jordan River. He's stopping at Jericho and Bethany. He's going to do some great things there. But on his way now, uh, Jesus has been talking to his disciples concerning the end times, things that are going to shortly take place. And he begins in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. This is a continuation now of his uh, of his conversation. And let's uh, listen to what he says here. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint And shall not God avenge his own elect? Now that tells you right there that uh, the unjust judge is not God, that the parable that Jesus gave means this, that if an unjust judge is going to do what is right by this woman that came to her, how much more will the God of heaven do right towards those of his children that are coming to him for? For him to avenge his own elect. Notice verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. And we'll look at verse 8 in a little bit. But notice how that uh, the scripture says that vengeance is mine, I will repay. And actually, What that verse of Scripture is saying is that every man is going to stand before God and God is going to be the judge. He's going to stand. The Christian, the born again believer is going to stand before God and concerning reward. But those of the Gentile race who are not saved and those of the Jewish race that are not saved that die before uh, the Lord returns. They're going to stand before the just judge and the just judge is going to weigh them in the balance and find them wanting. In other words, they're going to be lost. So if you're a Gentile listening to this program or if you a Jew that's never accepted Jesus as your Messiah listening to this program, you have an opportunity now to repent of your sin, humble yourself, ask Christ to come into your heart and life. And he will save you and he will make you a part of the church of God. And I'm telling you that of the three people groups, the Jew, the Gentile and the church, the church of God is the only part or of this group that has got a blessed future. The unsaved Jew and the unsaved Gentile, their future is very dark. So I'm both warning you and exhorting you. If you're listening to this broadcast and you're not saved, you need to do that. You need to make that decision right now. You need to do it and you don't need to delay. All right. So to understand this parable, we go back to the previous chapter. And I want to quote to you something out of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 24. Notice what Jesus says. He says, but pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, For then shall be great tribulation such as such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Jesus here is talking about the great tribulation period and he's talking to the Jews. The Jews without Christ are going to have to suffer through the great tribulation period right along with every unsaved Gentile. And Jesus says that this tribulation, the tribulation that's coming upon the earth has not been since the beginning of this world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So that ought to be an impetus for us to stand up and take notice and evaluate where we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 22 of Matthew 24, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. The elect's sake is talking about the nation of Israel. God is going to come. He's going to save the nation of Israel from annihilation. But notice that Jesus said those days have to be shortened. Why? Because the human race will destroy itself. Yes, we do have the ability and the capability of destroying ourselves, and we will do that unless the Lord comes. Now, let's go on. And the Lord just said to his disciples when they asked him where judgment was to be, and he said to them this. This is in Luke seventeen thirty-seven. Wheresoever the body is or the corpse is or the cadaver is, further will the eagles or the vultures be gathered together. So we're looking at. The final day battle of Armageddon, that's what Jesus is referring to when all the world is going to be at that battle. And if it has not, if it will not be for the Lord Jesus Christ coming down in his second coming to earth, man would destroy himself. That's how awful. That's how terrible it's going to be. Aren't you glad that you as a born again child of God that has the spirit of God on the inside of them? Aren't you glad that you have been chosen by God himself? Amen. To escape the wrath that is to come. I say, praise God for that. Now, in this life, Jesus never said he's going to keep us from difficult days that lay ahead, leading all the way up to the rapture of the church. But he did promise us that we'll escape the things that are coming upon this earth. And he did say this, that he will avenge them speedily. So the Lord is going to avenge every wrong that's been suffered by his children. God will judge all evil. This is absolutely, we're absolutely assured of this. This is why, and this is a very important point, that we are not to fear governmental authorities. Now, they do have the power to strip us of everything we possess. They have the power to leave us naked, materially destitute, but they cannot take our souls. So we are not to fear them, but rather we are to make a stand for righteousness. And understand this, that before judgment comes upon this earth, the church will be taken out. We have to remain faithful up until that time and that event takes place. Amen. It's the evil men, those whose body and souls are going to be cast into hell. Listen to what Jesus said. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. That's talking to you and to me. We are not to shut up. We are to shout. Remember Bartimaeus, when he was told to shut up, he cried out the more. That is speaking to us as believers today, both saved Jews and saved Gentiles that make up the church of God. But notice what else Jesus says here. And do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Amen. Amen. See, Jesus is not only speaking to the Jews, but he's speaking to us today concerning the church. We cannot remain silent, church. We cannot be quiet. We shout it from the housetops if we have to. But the world has to know Jesus is Savior and he is coming again. Praise God. Now, Jesus said this. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? And the answer to that question is no. No. The reason why is the church will already have been raptured. The Holy Spirit will already have been removed. There'll be no faith in the people in the earth. The only people, amen, are those who are struggling, resisting the Antichrist. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Martyrs way is going to be the way of salvation during the tribulation period. Amen. What are we called to do as born again believers? Having done all to stand, we are to stand. Therefore, we are to stand against the principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and wicked spirits in the heavenlies. We stand against them. We wrestle against them. Amen. Praise God. And with the blood of the Lord Jesus And with his name that is above every name, we can and will be victorious. Amen. Praise God. So we want to look at the prayer that changes things and the kind of prayer that turns hopeless situations around. I think you will agree with me that there is in this world such evil going on, such corruption, corrupt leaders who care not for the people to whom they're supposed to be governing care only about their greed of filthy lucre. These are the men that are leading and women that are leading the nations of this world. And it would seem to be a hopeless situation. But listen, we can turn it around with God as our partner. And I want you to um, listen to something that Isaiah prophesied in chapter 62, verses one through seven. And this has to do with the prayer ministry of the church. And I want to read it to you. Notice it says here, for Zion's sake, will I not hold my peace? And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. Let me read that again. For Zion's sake, will I not hold my peace? And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. That's a message for you and I in this day. And it's a message for every saved Jew in this day. Amen. Because this passage of Scripture relates to the times of the Messiah, Jesus. Well, Jesus has already come. The church has already accepted him as their Messiah. Israel has not. She's walking in darkness and in blindness. But there's going to come a time where she will see Messiah Jesus and accept him as the one who is to come. So this passage here is definitely a call to the church and not just to the church as a whole, to you and I as individual believers. We are to take upon ourselves this kind of aggressive praying that will turn individuals and nations that have drifted away from the things of God into the past that they should be following. Would you agree with me that the United States of America has drifted away from the things of God? When it is almost a crime to mention the name of Jesus in public. When people who are in authority pray, they don't pray in the name of Jesus. Some do. But most do not. Let me tell you something. The name of Jesus is that name that is above every name, above every principality, above every power, above every ruler of darkness, above every wicked spirit in the heavenlies. The devil hates the name of Jesus because it is the name of Jesus. That is the token of power, the reality of power over everything that it exists within the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. But notice that Isaiah says this. For Zion's sake, will I not hold my peace? What if blind Bartimaeus had shut up when the crowd told him to? Jesus would have passed by. And that man would have died, a blind man. But no, he knew where his healing and deliverance from. And when he knew that Jesus passed by, he cried out, Lord, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Jesus heard him above the crowd telling him to shut up. And as a result, Jesus changed that man's life. And he left seeing. Amen. And what does the scripture teach us? What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Blind Bartimaeus cried above the the throngs of people that were crying out for him and telling him to shut up. He cried out above them. How much more the church needs to cry out the gospel? Even when people on radio and in government and in places of authority tell us to shut up. No, we don't shut up. We cry out the louder because that's the only thing. It is the power of God unto salvation. That's what the gospel is. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I say thank God for faithful Jews and faithful members of the church that are over in the nation of Israel that are witnessing both there and here about Messiah Jesus and how that their effective witnessing is turning the hearts of unsaved Jews towards their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's not time to remain silent. I know the evil days are upon us. This is why we are to cry out the louder. We must speak to the mountains through prayer and those mountains to be removed. And to be cast into the sea. Jesus said that we can do that. And if we can do it, then we must do it. Amen. Jesus said, if you do this, you'll have whatsoever you say. Praise the Lord. So the prophet declared this. If we do this, we'll continue to cry aloud until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. And the salvation thereof is a lamp that burns. So for us to intercede. And to supplicate. Amen. Until this is our prayer assignment. We want to see change in the church. We want to see change in our government. We want to see change in our nation. This is what is going to do it. Isaiah prophesied by the Spirit of God. And he said, this is what is going to save Israel. Did Israel hear? No, Israel did not hear. And what happened to Israel? They lost out. They were subjugated. Their grand city was destroyed and they were carried away captive. Is this what you and I want the United States to be like? Then we're going to have to put on our prayer armor. We're going to have to accept this challenge that Isaiah has granted us and given to us through his word, through the word of God. And we're going to have to do it. Israel in the times of Messiah Jesus now is going to be a glory to the nations. And all nations will go to Jerusalem to learn the ways of the Lord. And it's going to be because of them recognizing and seeing Messiah Jesus as their Messiah. That's coming at the end of the tribulation period. But the times of the Messiah in the church are now. It's today that we cry out to God. It's today that he answers speedily. It is today that through prayer, through us cooperating with God as laborers with him, as workers together with him, as partners together with him. It is through that that the righteousness of God, therefore, will go forth as brightness. Amen. Praise God. Verse two again. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness And all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Amen. Praise God. Now, verse three, thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. This is Israel's destiny. This is what God is going to bring her to. Praise God. So it, Isaiah here, he's speaking of the restoration of Israel at the end of the tribulation. When Jesus returns, when he sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives, he will save Israel from certain annihilation from the forces of the Antichrist by destroying, taking the Antichrist and the false prophet, throwing them alive in the lake of fire and completely destroying their armies. Amen. Israel at the point of annihilation will survive the tribulation only because of Christ returning. And when he does return, Israel will recognize him as their Messiah. And Jesus Christ will take that remnant that is left of the nation of Israel and will make them into a crown of glory and into a royal diadem. So what Israel is to become, the church already is. We are the glory of the king. We are the glory of the son of God. We are that royal diadem, praise God. Like Peter talked about, we are precious stones. And we are built up a holy priesthood, praise God, that we should offer sacrifices unto him. So what Israel is to become, the church already is. We are in that position of authority. We are in that place of power. Are we using the power and authority in the name of Jesus? If we're not, we better start. And that power and that authority is released through the prayer ministry. And the prayer ministry of the church is the key to the salvation of multitudes. And it's key in thwarting the plans of the evil one. Now look at verses four and five. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth, that's what Beulah means, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Married to who? Married to its Messiah, Jesus. Jesus. Let me tell you something. You and I are married to Christ now through the new birth and through the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. We are his bride. Amen. And he is our husband. Israel used to be a chaste virgin, but she turned to tree. and God judged her for her sin and unfaithfulness. And just as Hosea brought back his adulterous wife, so the Lord has bought Israel, adulterous Israel back with the purchase price of the blood of Jesus, her Messiah. But Israel at the end of the tribulation will join the church as the chaste virgin unto Christ. And the Lord will cause her to pass through the fire, just like he's going to pass us through the fire. And she will come through the fire purified as silver and as gold And she will be joined with the church as the bride of Christ because she will have made herself ready to be presented to her husband, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. You can find that in Zechariah 13 verses eight and nine. Amen. Praise God. That's our destiny. That's the destiny to the saved remnant of the Jews. That's the destiny of the church today. But now notice what else Isaiah prophesies. I have set watchmen upon thy walls of Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest till he establish until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Isaiah is saying here that God is sovereign over all. He's sovereign over creation. That includes the creation of man. He's sovereign over everything that goes on in this earth. Amen. Now, he has allowed man free will. And of course, with man's free will, he has brought on sin, destruction, misery and death. And God has allowed that because of the selfishness of man. But he holds the reins and he limits evil and he limits the evil one. The devil just can't do everything he wants to do. Remember what Jesus said to Peter. Satan has desired thee that he may sift you as weak, but I have prayed for you. Jesus Christ is praying for the church. For her to come up and be all that she is supposed to be. Ask yourself this question. I'm asking myself the same question. Am I all that Jesus has destined for me to be? Am I all in the prayer ministry that Jesus destines for me to be? My answer is no. And I think your answer is the same. It's time for us to change, church. Notice verse 7 again. And give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So it is in God's hands what the church is to do. And God is sending out the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in the earth, and he is impressing upon us to get into that prayer closet and to give him no rest until change comes. There is in the plan of God a Godward side of redemption and a manward side of redemption. The Godward side of redemption is that which God himself has initiated through the covenants. And the manward side of redemption is that which man has responded to concerning that which God has initiated. What Isaiah is prophesying is an initiation. But we haven't paid much attention to his words. Well, I hope we will from now on. To set watchmen upon thy walls is the response of the faithful to that which God initiates. You are a watchman on the wall. If you are a born again child of God and you have the spirit of God on the inside of you, you are called to be a watchman in prayer. You can't get out of it. God has has gifted you that that is his will for your life. And we can either be disobedient servants. Or. Or. We can take this mantle and we can employ it to the salvation of millions of men that will go to hell unless we stand in the gap for them. So it's God, the Holy Spirit, that initiates prayer in us, gives us the unction. And it's his anointing that destroys the yokes and it is his anointing that sets the captives free. But notice what Isaiah: which shall never hold their peace day nor night. This is our native response. And what I mean by that, it is our desire for permanent change in our behavior towards supplication and towards intercessory prayer for change in our nation and for change in individuals. Once again, Isaiah, that ye make mention of the Lord, ye that make mention of the Lord. In other words, you who are the Lord's remembrancers continually putting God in remembrance according to his word. He will answer. Amen. We pray in faith. Amen. We pray without flinching. God will answer. So we, the church, must yield to the unction. We must do that which God has already willed for us to do. That's our purpose on us for the will of God in heaven to be done here down on earth. And so what is the answer? Notice what Isaiah says concerning the Jew till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. That prayer will be answered. Not in Isaiah's time, not in David's time, not in the Lord Jesus time while he was on earth. It will be answered at the end of the tribulation. All the prayers that have gone up will be answered on that day. The church and the faithful Jews. We are the workers together. We are the laborers. We are the partners with the Lord. It's the Lord that provides the unction through the Holy Spirit. It is the church which responds to that unction. Praying for the will of God that is in heaven to be done down here on earth. And it's through the prayer ministry of the church that God then will turn and he will open the doors that no one can shut and he will close the doors that no one can open. Praise God. Amen. So church, we are called to pierce through the darkness. We are called to rejoice in the light, shouting it upon the housetops. And even though Israel is yet to see its finest hour and the time for her to be the glory of the nations that is upon her and that is the ultimate plan and purpose of God for her, The church now is rejoicing and dancing in the light. We faithful men and women, we must rise up to meet the challenge of this hour through prayer and intercession. Praise God. Father, we bless you. We thank you today for this word. Oh, stir our hearts today, Father. Stir our hearts as you never stirred it before. And we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly